0: Yo, what's up, y'all? Today we got a really cool uh, episode for you guys. We interviewed Colin Schwartz. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Done Good. It's a really cool company. They they empower consumers basically to drive social change uh, by making sure the companies that they enable folks like us to buy from are creating positive impact in the world beyond like you know um, their explicit business functions, and so a really interesting interview uh, with a cool guy and uh, we talk about you know his business his approach to his work his approach to building his company the growth that he's had in terms of thinking about productivity at his company uh, politics in the US which may or may not be interesting for our international listeners know. but yeah it's a really cool conversation we think you'll we'll like it and um, at the time that you guys are hearing this because we recorded this probably I don't know maybe one or two weeks before this one is out um, they are in the final days out there for crowdfunding drive. You can find that on startengine.com. The lakes will be in the show notes in this company. It's a cool one. You guys love enjoy this one. It's got great energy. You can feel the energy from this mission emanating off of him. It's cool.
1: Denver is more my speed, more my, you know. That's what I was saying. She's got all the city stuff. All the concerts and uh all the shows and all the you know plays and, and the arts and things to do. Red rocks, yeah, I can Uber two for my house, best venue in the world, you know. Um, at the same time, I can be on a mountain trail in 20 minutes and forget that I live in a city. It's just it's really best of both worlds.
0: Are you into hiking? Like are you a big hiker?
1: Well, I don't know if I'd say I'm a big hiker. I hike, you know. I go, especially when I'm down here in Slida. My sister's a former rafting guide, paddle stand-up paddleboard guide. So like I can do river stuff with her. I work too damn much uh, uh in this company um so i can't say i'm i'm not like uh huge into any of it but i do you know i do all of it yeah
0: yeah that's cool I, man i love like i got into hiking i guess over the pandemic like most people in the u.s yep. so we hit like a bunch of the 14ers in colorado and that's that's so fun like I love just like the vibe of waking up super early. Like, the only thing open is like the McDonald's and like freaking whereas yeah. I- Idaho Springs, and yeah, then you yeah. got like a bunch of mountains close by on your way out of Denver, you know? So for those who don't
1: know, the 14ers are, uh, there are like, what is it, 50, about 52, maybe about a deck so, of cards worth of, yes. uh, of peaks in Colorado that are above 14,000 feet, and there's none that are above 15,000. So those fifty, what however fifty whatever, uh are the are the tallest. They're the ones above fourteen thousand. So doing a 14er is a thing people like to do out here. I've done a few. I need to get one scheduled. Uh, you know, like I like I said, you know, so I'm not huge into it, but like I feel like I should do one. I should do one a summer at least. Really, you know what I mean? uh um, Yes. Like so mean, I just was saying the other day, like All right, I really need to get. My like 14er of the summer scheduled, you know. Uh, yes, and uh, you know, check another one, check another one off the list. Some people have done all 50, whatever. I think there's some that you can't hike, you have to rock climb. I, so like, that's say Like, okay, am, I'm a guy. This is a perfect example. I'm a guy who does 14ers, I ain't a guy who's trying to do all of them. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm totally not trying like... to do like, I was trying to do one every weekend day of the year, like, uh, you know, uh. Yeah, what what a summer! I'll do what a summer. That sounds pretty good. Yeah,
0: I mean, <laughs> totally. There was some dude that I saw. I was on like the REI website. He like freaking did a fourteener every day for like a summer or something like this, which uh, is like yeah. this is insane. This and is that's,
1: insane, and that's uh, that's cool. I'm not that. You know what? I mean? yeah, like either. I, I want to do some other stuff. I want to. I want to go to uh shows at Red Rocks and then, like, you know, rest the next day. You know, what I'm saying? Like, I want to have a mix of all the things to do in the Denver, uh, Colorado area. You yeah,
0: know? yeah, no, I feel, and we're building companies. Like, we're trying to, you know, live our missions. Sometimes I kind of well, feel like people go too deep into that. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, for your the job. Like, is your job climbing mountains? Which, that's a cool job, but I don't know. It's like, (laughs) yeah.
1: Well, no, that's the other thing. I mean, I I do spend an inordinate amount of time uh, working, too, you know. And I I have tried to, I I say I'm a uh, recovering workaholic, you know, because I I worked in politics, which is, you know, you're working on Capitol Hill. That's like, you know, late nights and whatever. And then during campaign season, if you go out and, you know, you're going to work on a U.S. Senate race, working on a governor's race, something like that. That's all day, every day. I mean, you're you're killing yourself. You know that's what you're signing up for. But and then you know, I stopped working DC on a Friday, packed up my stuff over the weekend, drove to originally Boston where we used to be headquartered on a Monday, and started work on a Tuesday. So I, you know what I mean. I haven't had uh, too much time off, and but in the last couple of years, I have. Um, you know, I well one I. I, I just kinda of said if this requires me to kill myself, both like financially and or with work life balance, then it's not then it's not working. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I'm gonna do whatever I can to make this thing work Well, well, you know, pay yourself nothing, work all day every day and and destroy yourself. You know, and which I think I do believe reduces your creativity, your productivity, a lot more science on that. you know, I'll come out all the time. So I, I have in the last couple of years tried to rebalance and say one, I You know, I pay myself somewhat more now. I'm still making less than I was eight years ago at my last job in D.C., but at least it's less as a percentage as opposed to multiples. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And then, and then with work-life balance stuff, I tried to, um, like I said, I tried to rebalance and work more normal schedules, practice a little more self-care, as they call it. I mean, you know, I just being being decent to yourself. And like I said, I try recognizing that I think that does put you in an optimal, you know. You're more productive, more creative. Now, maybe there's a limit to that. Maybe I don't go lay on the beach for three months and say, okay, but I'm going to come back for a month and be super creative and productive in that <laughs> month. You know, I mean, like with everything, I'm sure like, that's what they they call it work life balance, right? But trying to balance a little more and, um, you know, uh, be saying so that I do have, yeah, some time to also, I mean, it's, it's, your, it's your rental, it's your rental health. It's real. I mean, being able to go do the 14 year hike or go to, go to shows. I mean, going to shows at Red Rocks is part of my mental health. Like, I really, you know what I mean? Uh, And so, and that said, yeah, I do work a lot. So I do an important year every, you know. (laughs) like
0: So, man, so you've had such an interesting, like, career and background that kind of brought you into entrepreneurship. If you were there every day, I don't know if it's all as interesting as it sounds, but thanks. Yeah. Well, I I think it'd be cool to kind of walk through, like, so your time in politics and advocacy um, and then how, sort of that kind of work brought you to founding a company? You know, I'm curious specifically, like, do you feel like it's more leverage to build a company than maybe even involve yourself in your civic actions? Or do you not think of it that way? Like, I'm just curious about your mindset there.
1: Yeah, well, if by leverage, you mean like the power we have to create change. I think yeah. the reason I quit, quit that political career to do what I do now is because I believe, you know, you see this kind of stuff on our website. I, I believe it. I think it's true that the dollars we spend Consumer spending is the world's most powerful force for change because we are in a supply and demand economy and everything that consumers demand, we have total power. We can make capitalism, we can make market economies, whatever we want, because that whatever we demand, the market supplies. And so if we use our purchasing decisions to demand, right? Like, okay, so what do consumers demand? Well, they demand these kind of products. The market supplies, those kind of products. Well, we demand, you know, kind of these price points. Market figures out how to find those price points. Well, if we demand, uh, you know, more products that are made with living wage jobs, then there'll be more living wage jobs less poverty in the world. And if we demand products that are made in ways that fight climate change instead of cl- cause it, the market supplies more fight against climate change, and it's it's happening. You know the CSR departments that for the term social enterprise, social impact didn't exist. You know back when I was in college, right? Like now they ha- that's a thing you can study and get a degree in, right? Like the explosion of the number of social enterprises over the last decade. the, um, there was a report, uh, social enterprise census that just came out last year, it says there's now 11 million and the World Economic Forum said this shows that like this is one of the most important and impactful movements of our time, social, the social enterprise movement. Um, and of course, so then the more we choose to support social enterprises, the more of them there are, the more of them will succeed, the more other businesses will follow suit. And then even major corporations are uh, are are noticing this 10 years ago. Corporate social responsibility, well, or at least certainly 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't even corporate social responsibility, ESG, you know, environment, social governance, and these kind of terms. That wasn't a thing. It wasn't on the radar. It was just make money, maximum profit. But now major corporations are seeing that, um, well, there, there is growing consumer demand, all kinds of research on this now, more and more consumers, especially millennials, Gen Z. And then even now Gen Z, they're changing their Gen X parents' mindsets on things, you know, and so you can see in the polling and the, in the data uh, that just more and more people understand that, like, well, who I give my money to when I buy something or for any reason, I'm helping them do more of whatever it is they do. Well, what are they doing? Uh, they got people locked in poverty, making stuff in some sweatshop somewhere. They're causing climate change. I'm, I mean, I'm funding. that. I'm funding that with my dollar. And so people thinking more about that, moving the purchase. So now you got. In, uh, in 2011, less than 15% of the S and P 500 were issuing an annual corporate social responsibility report. Now over we're, ni- we're basically almost to a hundred percent and some, it's somewhere in the nineties, you know, uh, they basically all are doing that now. So this change is occurring. Consumers have the power to accelerate the pace of that, that change. We are doing it, but then, so where done. Good comes in we're, you know, Forbes called us the Amazon for social good. We're the site where we're just trying to make a quick, easy. You can shop for all sorts of kinds of products that you want, clothing, coffee, bed sheets, uh, shampoo, you know, I mean, just we're, we're working to build out as many companies and as many categories as quickly as we can, we've got like 120 plus companies on the site. Now we screen them all for social environmental impact. So you can just come and buy what you need and know that all these companies pay good wages. These companies use really eco-friendly practices. A lot of them are supporting other good cause with a portion of the purchases, like helping women escape for sex trafficking or donations to orphanages or all all sorts of other good things too. So every dollar you're spending,
0: you know, it fits with your beliefs and and you're making the world better. So why do you think that, like, or how do you think that consumers have sort of up their understanding? Is it just access to information? Like, why are we more, you know, educated on these topics?
1: Well, yeah, I think there's more information about it. I mean, I, I'll i date myself a little bit. I mean, I, I I was an undergrad at the turn of the century, you know, like not 99 to 03. And it was like in the 90s was like the first wave of uh, sweatshop the kind of awareness and activism. That, right. that was really now people talk about like ethical, sustainable fashion. They travel, you know, frame it in the pods. And back then it was like anti sweatshop. Right. But so there was just there was a lot of the media did a good job of reporting, uh, you know, in the 90s, all sorts of stories and exposes coming out and then later documentaries and things like this where in in the first part of the 20th century it was all you bought whatever you needed from people in your town and you know before it was always you you trade with who's around you and then in the 20th century we figured out mass production and you know there's even some okay you can crank out more stuff faster and cheaper like yeah okay i mean there's some benefit uh as of then the world went that way and then all of a sudden right because of the like, okay, well, companies make huge companies are trying to maximize shareholder return every quarter. So how do we make it a little cheaper? How do we make it a little faster? Right. Right. You start putting factories overseas where there's not regulation and protection and you're paying people poverty wages, um, right? and, uh, you know, doing terrible stuff to the environment. Yeah. And it turns out, well, that's super cheap and super fast and just people, uh, we didn't know that all of a sudden, you know, there was more reporting about like, Hey, so a lot of the stuff we buy in stores is made by people in living in terrible conditions, working super long hours, six or seven days a week and earning next to nothing or literal human trafficking, modern day slavery and uh you, you know, just terrible stuff. And so that, that was an initial awakening. Uh And you know, that's that, I think that's just continued. There's just more and more uh information about, uh, about that. And I think it, yeah, just a, more consciousness about right used to be sort of well in my in, in my non-economic dealings right well I should volunteer and donate and march and nowadays you know post on social media or, and vote and do all these other things but in the economy there was just this prevailing well th- that's business you know this this mindset the old Milton Friedman philosophy businesses are supposed to maximize profit at all costs just extract maximum profit increase short of shareholder return and you know and I'm supposed to work wherever they pay me the most and I'm supposed to buy whatever's the cheapest. You just you know, here you're a moral person and over here in the economy you just do whatever. But in the economy is where we spend most of our time. I mean if we're working forty hours a week, we spend a majority of our time here. Uh and and what we decisions we make as business owners or decisions we make as consumers or investors or even just where to work, you know, that that actually probably has more impact on the world than than, than the other stuff. I'm not saying don't do the other stuff. You know what I mean? Um uh, profit work is super important, a lot of amazing nonprofits doing really great things. And it just is the case. Americans donated $327 billion to charity last year, and we spent over $14 trillion buying stuff. So that just means that if 2%, if 2% of the dollars we spend could help reduce poverty, could help fight climate change, could help make the world better in some way, 2% of the dollars we spend can do as much good as all the donations to all the nonprofits in the country. So it's just, people are, people are just becoming more aware of the fact that, well, what I do in the economy makes a big difference. And I actually have a lot of power with the dollars I spend to change business behavior. And if you want to, you know, to address climate change, is DC going to do it? They haven't. So what do you need to do? You need to change business behavior. How are you going to do that? Chasing consumer dollars. I mean, that's what gets people to change. You make the, the right thing to do, the profitable thing to do. And I yeah, I think there's just more awareness of that and more desire. Like even one big thing that's also along with consumer spending that's driving businesses to change is, attracting workers millennials gen z in particular are recognizing like hey my job's not just my job it's gonna it's where i spend the majority of my time on how do i want to spend my time on it well i want to do something meaningful and purposeful and i don't just want to you know i don't do whatever random thing that gets me some money i'd like to do something that i feel good about doing you know and so there's just more of that and then that does that changes business behavior that's you know blackrock one of the world's largest institutional investor they said we you know 2018 put out a huge you know earth-shattering letter that was like, we can't do business with companies that can't articulate some kind of social mission because you'll have a hard uh-huh. time attracting consumer spending attracting investment because there's more impact investing people who want to invest their dollars and stuff that they feel good about and then there's um but the one of the, the big thing that they mentioned too was also it's like you're gonna have a hard time attracting talented workers, people who want to work for your company, especially as, you know, millennials and Gen Z become a bigger percentage of the workforce, because they want to work at something that they,
0: that they believe in, you know? So
1: yeah, people are more aware and people are using their economic power. They just, they want to know that their decisions are
0: in line with their beliefs. You know? How did you kind of develop like your value system and how are you like resisting the allure of growth at all costs in your business, the, the pull of investors maximizing enterprise value. Like, how are you kind of able to stay true to your mission and like your values? Yeah, we, because we like bake this stuff in from the start.
1: So first we're incorporated as a public benefit corporation, which is like a traditional C Corp in most ways that, and now it's becoming more mainstream. So investors are more aware and comfortable with investing in that kind of company. It does also mean that we have a social mission baked into our charter and that our responsibility to uh, pursue that social mission is on par with our responsibility to earn investors, return, right? And so that means if we could, we can make decisions that are not necessarily for maximizing the bottom line or maximizing shareholder return, if it's in pursuit of our social mission. Now that said, we've also set all this up so that our social impact and business success are not in conflict, right? right. Like, and, and on, on purpose, right? Cause that that's supposed to be the point. So what's our social mission? driving consumer dollars to amazing brands that are paying living wages and empowering people and investing in communities and and doing good for the environment. And how do we make money? What's our business success? The same way, right? Like these things are one of the same because we, we don't charge our brands anything up front because we always want to drive more value to them than they're providing to us. That's part of the point is to make them more successful, never have them paying for stuff if we're not driving sales their way. And we earn a percentage of the sales and then, okay, so cool. What's our social mission? Driving sales to these businesses. How do we make money and be successful as a business? By driving those you know, sales and, and earning a percentage. So we've tried to just make sure everything was set up that way. It's all, it's all aligned. So now there's no, the, you know, there's, there's, if uh, it's not in conflict, we're not trying to do good at the expense of our business. They're, that's
0: the same thing. That's cool. So, in like practice, sound like tactical operational decisions. You're not actually having a trade-off between like that social mission and driving value. That's no, cool. not,
1: not really. And even you know, we've been like conscious to surround ourselves with investors who are impact investors who believe in the cause uh, and are in it for the right reasons too. You know, I, you know that's where you have to like you know you want to be a little discerning. But that's also I think the good thing about being a social enterprise is, you know. You have on the one hand, you know, maybe that makes it tougher to raise from like sort of traditional, I just want to make, I want, I want a super quick return, super short amount of time. On the other hand, there's impact investors who specifically are looking to invest in companies like this. Yes. Or, I mean, I mentioned, I mentioned talent, people wanting to work here. Like it's, I, I take it as a real compliment. It's really touching. Um, well, like at our, our, last job opening last summer, we had, you know, while kind of the, the news reports is, oh, companies are having a hard time finding people to, to work there. We had 1,200 applicants and we didn't even like, I mean, I think we paid a hundred bucks on LinkedIn to, to put it out and we did some other, um, uh, posting and job boards that reach, uh, diverse audiences because that's important to us. But like, we didn't like, you know what I mean? We didn't pay, yeah. I mean, we emailed our, we email, we email our email list, everybody, you know, a ton of, ton of applicants just from like our email list, our customer base, people who are in our community. Um, and so you know, there's, there's those advantages too, right? Consumers who want to shop with companies like yours, people who want to work with companies like yours, investors who want to invest in, in companies like yours. So yeah, I don't know. Like I said, we just, we've tried to be kind of from the very start to set it all up so that there,
0: so that we would avoid, you know, issues like that. So how did you kind of like develop like this value set? Like, are your folks or your family, like very politically active or aware? Like, why are you this person?
1: Yeah, uh, wasn't that a good question i don't know man. you me and my therapist could i'll jump out and call we could unpack you know we could unpack stuff for a little while i guess um my folks were were teachers they were special ed teachers so i you know i don't know they were doing a a, a job that's uh, i think trying to you know do something caring and good for the world my dad then became a principal uh my mom you know kindergarten first grade teacher also as well but so they were in cool. education I, I i you know i don't know I think they'd probably talk, try to teach me to be a nice guy and be fair and want, want fairness to exist in the world or whatever. I, I you know, I do remember um, when I was uh, like 13, the uh, state legislature in Michigan tried to pass an anti kind of anti teacher, anti teacher union bills. It was like, you can't go on strike, but also it's like they, they ripped away healthcare benefits that have been negotiated. You know I mean? I'm a, like at the negotiating table, a lot of times it's like, okay, well, we won't take the raise or we'll take a very small raise, but because we get the great benefits. Well, and then one day the legislature just unilaterally says, okay, all that stuff that's been negotiated over decades. Yeah. We don't like it. It's expensive. We're taking it away. Like, well, are right, you going to give us the raises back that we gave up for all that? You know what I mean? This was all, this was all negotiated. And they, you know, so it was really, uh, well, seemed unjust and unfair. And, uh, you know, my, my, my folks were like involved in the, at various points, each of them were like the union stewards at their are they building or, or whatever and, so I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I guess that had some kind of impact. I generally think when I was working in politics and I was working on Capitol Hill, we had a work retreat, and somebody said, uh, or the the person leading the 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 exercises or whatever said, write down in one sentence why you do this kind of work. Why are you in politics? And I wrote like instantly because people who work for a living deserve to have a decent life and deserve, you know, that, that those are the words I wrote, But you know, I, it's. uh, or you know deserve to like share in the in the wealth they're creating and the fact that we have like over 60 percent of people in the richest country on earth living paycheck to paycheck say so they can't afford a four hundred dollar unexpected expense of four hundred dollars that's weird man that's not it, just yeah it's not cool it's not fair when you talk about having people who are earning real like poverty, i mean the minimum wage in this country is poverty wage also overseas where you've got even less regulation of worker protection and you know, things like, um, slavery is still, I, I touched on it a little, it's called human trafficking. Now we think that's a sanitized term. Let's call it. It is it's modern day slavery. It's still a $150 billion a year industry. There's more slaves on the planet now than at any time in human history. And like, I, you know, when you know those things, well shit, uh, you know, I, like I, I guess that you know, boy, I sure would be nice if I could not participate in systems that supported that. And I will tell you even more of the like backstory. When I was an undergrad, I got involved in a group called United students against sweatshops. And so we would get our universities to put codes of conduct in their apparel contracts. So whatever company wanted to make the university's licensed apparel, the hoodies with the logo on it, the university logo on it, and all the bookstores and everywhere else they saw it. Those are for a big university. That's big money. That's a big contract. So the well, code of conduct that we got our universities to put in those contracts said, if you want to bid on them, then you need to, uh, be able to demonstrate you're paying above poverty wages, that the working conditions are safe, no forced overtime over 50 hours a week, they just basic protection to say, okay, we, the customer in this case is the university, we don't want our products made in sweatshop conditions. So you need to, we're all going to do business with companies who can demonstrate that they're not, they're not doing that. And that was. So then I'm like, you know, 20. That was really exposure to the power of consumerism as a tool uh for activism and for making the world. You know, that's both again, voting's important. don't donate to nonprofits, volunteer, do all that stuff. And at the same time, this is neither of those. This is a different thing. This is a consumer just using market demand to really to impact people's lives and make the world better. And I thought that's what I really thought. Like, well, if you had what if you had a couple million individuals doing this? Uh and what if one day Like you used market forces to where businesses were competing to be more ethical, to advertise what good companies they were, you know what I mean? And then I actually wrote a paper about this in college, like sort of the, the, uh, you know, modest proposal or whatever the, the, the grand vision was like, yeah, so if you could, the new, new utopian ideal for the next century, right? Like 20th century capitalism and communism fought, you know, that was the kind of story of the 20th century and then, uh, with some fascism in there. But uh, like in the new center, what if, well, what if we, you know, what if it didn't matter anymore? Like, what if, so what if in capitalism, though, businesses were competing to be more ethical and pay better wages and to be better for the environment? And then one day, you know, all the businesses in the world are paying amazing wages and maybe they're all worker-owned co-ops, you know? Uh, and then, uh, well, if that were the case, like extreme global poverty would be a thing of the past if every business were doing that. And if every business in the world were as sustainable as the ones on done good right now, well, then climate change wouldn't be a thing. We'd, we'd blow those Paris Accord goals out of the water. You know what I mean? Daddy. And so then okay, well, after this guy's pie in the sky, the day that every business is like this. Yeah. I don't know how long that'll take change does happen quick these days, but, but like uh, we're on the way, you know what I mean? And every time we decide to work for a better company or spend our money with a better company or invest in better companies then we just, we keep taking the steps toward that world. And that just seems to me, especially, so, uh, you know, we kind of touched on it. I, I worked for, you know, a decade or so in politics and on DC and there were, uh, you know, what I'm talking about using consumer spending to move the market just seems like a faster, more plausible path for change than major stuff coming on. D.C. look, I worked there for, for all that time. Well, I think there's a lot of good people that are trying really hard to do good work. And it's like, it's such incremental change. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, I spent three years of my life finally getting the bill passed. And once it gets passed, it's so watered down. And so we made one small area out of the federal budget slightly less shitty. And that's three years of my life. And look, it's important. I'm glad there's people down there with energy, young kids, you know, doing that. It's important work. Somebody's got to do it. It's noble. It's a good cause. But it's just, uh, it's, it feels more like fighting the other side to an endless tire, this small incremental change. I just think the, the more, the more plausible path for big sweeping changes, consumers shift in their spending. And we, cause I said it's working,
0: it's happening. Um, and we should be able to make it happen more quickly. Like many, i mean, this is like 10 years ago, but I interned for, um, Deval Patrick, who's the governor of Massachusetts. I worked in their sure. constituent services desk, you know, so I'm handling all the, Hey, there's a power line down and my blah, 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 for no people haven't come, you know, yep. and like. You're just, like, kind of just, like, fighting fires, you know? But to me, that's, like, oh, it's totally. like that's real politics. But you kind of take yeah. a step back and you're, like, damn, if, like, the government is dealing with just, like, putting out, like, how much of their bandwidth is dealing with just this random stuff and how much do they have left over to, like, enact, like, you know, reform or change or drive an agenda, you know, it's, like, 20%. And then they're running for re-election. All well, right, so that's just it's crazy. exactly
1: right. that, that's just what i was going to say and then you have uh especially if you're in the house he said at least you have like six year well, terms and you you know don't you have just, to be running for election problem. quite all the time I mean, yeah. you kind of are a little all the time but you know you're really hitting the hard last years in the house you're up every two years you're that's crazy. never now nah, you're you are in cycle every time and yeah there's just the s- systemic stuff i mean i saw it. i don't know how many t- too many people know about call time Call time is dialing for dollars and members of Congress, especially if you're in the house and especially if you're in a competitive seat, I actually, I, you know, I worked for a member of Congress who basically was like the staff always trying to find him and fight him to get him to go to call time. They literally just sit there with a list, calling up rich people, asking for money yeah. and the system. I mean, that's what it is. And the system, yes. we have, you know, requires it because this is how it can be. You got to buy TV ads and now, you know, our other digital ads, and you got to get your message out. Well, to do that, we said, you have to go raise money. Well, to do that, you have to call rich people all day. And, you know, he actually said he he, he hated it. He didn't want to do it. He goes, You know, when I was a boy and dreamed of being in Congress, I didn't know I was going to be a glorified telemarketer. That's the thing. I, you know, people are like, Oh, all the politicians are crooks. They're all dirty. They're all stupid. I'm like, That wasn't my experience. My experience, there's a lot of really good people who got in this for the right reasons and are trying to do good stuff. And we got a system. I mean, there, ain't, you know, the, it's the system's fault. There's no other way to do it. You got them, you, you you have to raise so many millions of dollars, uh, you know. So, yeah, we need, you know, we need campaign finance reform. Uh, we, you know, we need independent redistricting. So, we had to have these gerrymandered house districts. So, like, you know, there's the systemic stuff that needs to change. But what do you got? Certain people who benefit from the system, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fulfilling prophecy, you know, like rich people want to maintain. And I look, like, I'll also say, I wasn't my experience that you know, any of, any of the people I worked for or that I saw, you know, other, other, other members were, were like, Hey, I'll vote for this if you give me money. It's not like that, but you're just, you're on the phone with them and they get to tell you what they think. And you and me are on the phone with them, telling them, tell them all, what we think, right? It's just, it's just access and being able to communicate your point of view in a way that other people don't. And so people with money like that system, they get access and they get special treatment. And so then you got to raise money from those people. Well, are you for changing the system to reduce max, right? Like, shit don't change. And so, Uh, um, like, I think we still, we need systemic, uh, reform people, well there's people fighting for that. And I just think between, if it's a race between getting that or a race between us all moving our purchases to awesome companies, this is just faster and more plausible and easier and better and more effective, you know?
0: Totally. Yeah. And for worse, I almost feel like companies today resemble like little, they like little tribes you know, most of your time, and you mentioned it today as well, like how most of your time you spend that you're awake with your work and, you know, like that's where your relationships are forged. It's where like there's social influence. And I, and I feel like you actually can drive change and find identity at work more so than even like in your civic life. you know, like you're voting for like your council member or for your school board or for your, you know, rep, but you're like, okay, I'm not going to see this guy or girl. Like, I'm not, you know, I may see that once at a thing, but you see like your colleagues and you can influence them and you can support certain missions with your company. I I definitely agree with you. I feel like companies have more power. I mean, for better or for worse than like, I mean, many aspects of government, um, you know, and driving change. And it's, I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe that's what the framers intended, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know i think it, to a
1: degree they intended things to to need to to move slowly and get broad-based support yeah so like you know a small number of people or one guy couldn't couldn't just you know drastically change things and i think that they um also assumed more of a collegial and you know, you know what i mean just, you know th- th- obviously they didn't foresee this level of polarization or this kind of media you know what i mean like obviously there's a lot of stuff that just isn't possible to foresee 250 years later, you know what I mean? And so, um, now, again, I just do want to keep saying I'm not one of these folks who then says like, oh, the whole system's true. Don't vote. Please keep voting. Please keep staying involved. I still donate to candidates. You know what I mean? Like it's still important because if, if we pull out, I, especially I see a lot of, um, people who care about issues like climate change and, and, uh, economic equality, like kind of saying, ah, well. My party's not progressive enough, or this is all a bunch of BS or, or I'm gonna vote, you know, third party and stuff. And it's like, well, okay. Or they're not gonna vote at all. But like then, you know, I come from Michigan. We're talking eleven thousand votes between Trump and Hillary in twenty sixteen. I think it was seventy thousand across three states. And in Michigan that year, more people there was eleven thousand difference, more than eleven thousand showed up and voted and left president blank.
0: That's insane.
1: You know what I'm saying? So like I'm just, they just, they were like, ah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't like either of them. So I'm not going to vote. Okay. Then you get Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I just always, I always want to be careful. Look, I think the stuff I'm talking about done good consumer spending. Yeah. Where you work, all these things that you're the impacts you can make in the economy or where more of your power lies and is it more effective at the same time. I don't want to be any part of causing the dissolution that also gets people who care about these issues to not vote. So I just always I think we're being both pretty clear about it, I just always totally. very clear that I'm not one of those people that says, Oh yeah, screw it, don't don't vote, boycott the whole thing. Then well then then now then we start going backwards, you know. hundred percent. So, and
0: there's more turnout among the older generations like by default and then things. Yeah. So I'm curious. Like I'm not educated on the subject matter. Um, but I I've like tried to game out like what like what happens if we have like really hard turn limits. And like politics is a thing that you do for five to 10 years. And then you go into like your normal life, you know, so you're not like you, you serve your country, you represent your, you know, uh, neighbors, and then you go and you build a business or you go and contribute to the economy. Like what's your take on that?
1: Hey, hey by the way, by the way, if I could, I, I want to answer that question because I think that's interesting. Can I, I do a shameless plug uh, for our crowdfunding campaign here real quick, too? Yes. Because yeah. like, that's an important thing. Yeah, yeah. And I know that this is going to air with about three days before. So I've please. been kind of you know, thinking, well, why can't I bring this up in conversation? Yeah, Instead, no, I'm just going right to say, now, like, I you know, can't right do the now. plug. I'm like, did yeah. I offend him? Right.
0: Is, he, is he super anti-term limits? No, go ahead. Please. Let's talk about your crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me get this in before I answer the question. Yes. Uh, well, because actually, I have, I have mixed feelings about him. And I'll tell you why, because uh, uh, I think there's pros and cons, but... Um, so, uh, our, we have a crowdfunding campaign going on right now. And so, and it's an equity crowdfunding campaign, which I don't know if, you know, how many folks are familiar with that. Basically, you know, people are familiar with Kickstarter, that kind of crowdfunding, but that's like, you give an organization, some money, and then maybe you get a free t-shirt or something like that with equity crowdfunding. It allows people to actually buy stock in companies that are too small to be on like corporate stock exchanges. You know what I mean? You could actually, and anyone could do it. And there used to be rules about accredited investors, essentially like, if you weren't a public company, you kind of could only raise money for rich people. Accredited investor means rich, kind of, you know what I mean? Yes. so, um, <laughs> but, but then that was the thing. I mean, you know, people were like, wait a sec, so I can give money to a company like Kickstarter, but I couldn't, I can give them a hundred bucks and get a t-shirt, but I can't buy a hundred dollars worth of stock, like, why not? You know what I mean? And so they changed the regulations in like 2015. And so now there's equity crowdfunding as well. And so we're having an equity crowdfunding campaign so people can actually invest in done good um, and looking to raise money so that we can, can grow the movement, grow the impact, grow our community, you know, invest in marketing. So people can, more people know about us. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And uh, we appreciate opportunities like this as well, of course, adding more brands to the sites. There's more selection and things like that. But also like the Kickstarter type crowdfunding, you still, you also like get, you know, get things. So we we're just getting discounts and gift cards on our site, for the investments, you know, so it's, we figure like you know um and even small investments really help like even a 100 bucks because one it adds up but two there's goals on the crowdfunding site where if we get enough number of investors um and it doesn't matter how much they invest it's just the number of people who invest then the crowdfunding site like gives you more promotion through to their email list and on their home page and so then it like it basically like you know even like a hundred dollar investment like yields a, more promotion where we reach more people and raise more money from other people too so it, it really has a big impact and so you know we say it because every purchase on our site helps people you know lifting themselves out of poverty it helps support businesses fighting climate change like it's it's something where the investment if, if it were a donation to nonprofit it'd be a good i think it'd be a good donation but it's an investment and you get discounts on our site that you, where you can save money Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, you get some money back uh, as you're making purchases. So start
0: is the site start slash offering slash done good. You know, this is what I love about talking to like founders is you can feel like for the good ones, like their mission, like the energy from their mission, like emanating from them when they speak. And that's really inspiring people, you know, Uh, it's really inspiring, so.
1: I, I appreciate you saying that. And then and, and, and the flip side is true too, right? Like, I'm dealing with I, my computer busted before this, and I got some company that's trying to charge me for something I don't want. You know, like, you get in the day to day. This is that. That's happening this morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get in the day to day and your to do list and all this. Like, it's no matter what, it's like stuff is a grind of a job and there's menial bullshit. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. And,
0: and, I, and I so,
1: see. but being able to come on podcasts is a time where I step back and get to talk about why I think this is important and the purpose. And yeah, this long-term grandiose vision where every company in the world is doing great stuff and the world is a utopian place. But like, yeah, okay. That's, that's the stuff that drive that feeds my soul and reminds me, you know what I mean? Like, I I bet you think it's inspired to other people. It's inspiring to me. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, okay, for it's that you know these opportunities, and you have to make sure to take them proactively yourself. But the podcast is an opportunity where I have to stop, breathe, slow down, remember the big picture, and why would I do all this stuff? And then right, after, you know, after this podcast, now the rest of the day, even with this other garbage I'm doing, I'm feeling and more energized. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. yeah so. I feel
0: I feel fired up every time I I like am on the podcast and get to talk to folks. Yeah, you know it's yeah. and that's why we try to do them on Friday. So you have good vibes heading into the close of the week. And then you're Hell thinking yeah. about things on all over the weekend when you're kind of chilling, you feel good, re-energized yeah. for one day, you know, cause I, we found like if we do them on like Tuesday or Wednesday, I mean, sometimes you have to, to work with people's schedules, but it's just, it's like, it's just the thing they got to get off their list, you know, which I get, you know, yeah. and, and the energy is just not, it's, it doesn't make their best self shine in my, in my view.
1: That's I think that's really smart because, yeah, who doesn't feel better on Friday? You know what I'm saying? And and isn't it interesting that it's like, you know, it's all these days are arbitrary, right? You know what I'm yes. saying? It's like, uh, yes. like it's all arbitrary constructs. Seven, you know, because the yes. Bible said, you know, yes. we're still totally. doing seven. You know? Finally, the, like, whole,
0: the whole counting is so arbitrary. It is. It's so arbitrary.
1: Completely arbitrary, you know? Yes. It really makes you realize because it's like, oh, by Friday afternoon. Yeah. Or, you know, Friday, people are more relaxed because it's like, well, I'm heading to the week and I don't have to, I mean, but on Tuesday, no, this all has to happen and I have to do this. And I'm blah, blah, blah. but like when you have something where you, Oh, but I have a dentist appointment, I have to go, to. I'll be damned. The company didn't die. You yes. know what I'm saying? But if you don't have that dentist appointment, you're like, oh, I couldn't possibly that's, I guess when I talk about like the reformed workaholism is for like eight years, I've been doing this. Every quarter is the most important quarter and the company might die yes. and you know what yes. i mean and like okay yes. well at some point after eight years you have to it can't be that every quarter you have to work kind of all day every day like at some point you know then i mean shit like you know what i mean you just it can't it can't be that way and it yeah you know so um it it like i i mentioned my therapist or i did i started seeing a therapist two and a half years ago, I right. always like to talk about it now. Cause I just, because it's been so good in like realizing how much stress is self-inflicted and how you can still have the same ambitions and the same goals and work on the same things, but you control, see, like I'm doing it right now, as I say this, you know what I mean? It's yes. happening to me. Yes. I feel the change perfectly. Yes. You can change. You know, the tone with which you doing this instead of, you know, at 6 PM, I'm like, oh, I should keep working more. I don't want to, but I should look, you have a choice. Stop right now. If you want, go ahead it's, and it'll probably be okay. Or say, now nah, I'm good. I'm good for a couple more. I want to do this. I believe in this. And you know, I don't necessarily like want in the immediate term to do the work, but oh yes, overall, I would like to, I want to do this thing. I don't necessarily want to do right now. Uh, I want to do it. Like, I'm really trying to recognize that like, I, I don't ever want to do something I don't want to do. That doesn't mean I'm not doing anything uncomfortable or taxing in the moment. It's saying, look, either decide you don't want to do this or know that you do, you know what I mean? Know that it's worth it and you're going to keep doing it. And then you're going to stop at and you You have to get some dinner and then you're going to relax. Okay, cool. I'm going to like, there's just no reason to do it with that cloud that you put over your own head. And I got to tell you, man, like, yeah. You know finally in like my early 40s i'm starting to that's why i like if i maybe if i can talk about this stuff there's some kids in their 20s listening and they start therapy and or just are able to absorb some of this stuff you know with or without it like uh, well i think therapy is always important i think it's good for everybody i think everybody should do it per- personally and that's my recommendation but even still you know just being able to recognize how much how in control of your tone you are you know and you do all the same stuff and you just decide what tone you're keeping with yourself and how you talk to yourself. And if you would ever talk to yourself, we talk to a friend, the way you talk to yourself, these things are like, I'm getting good at learning now. Shit, man, maybe some people can learn it in the twenties.
0: They'll just be a little ahead of the game. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you, but I have so many thoughts on the subject. I mean, I totally agree. And like here, everything you're saying. And I, and I feel like these are, these are lessons that you kind of learn it's hard. It's hard to like get them. You can intellectually understand them, but I kind of think you have to like, you just work through them and feel what it feels like. You know, it's just. Yeah, it's. It's, it's about
1: remembering them as often as you can and knowing you ain't always going to remember them. It's, it's practice. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's the thing. Even as I say, I even try to get out of this kind of linear thinking where it's like, well, if someone learned in their 20s, it'll be better. It's like, I, I don't know, man. In my 20s, I was kind of just on fire. And I didn't mind being a workaholic. 100%. So maybe it was fine that I was that way. You know what I mean? Maybe it's better I learn these things now and do the practice I'm practicing now, now instead of then. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not even, there's no linear sort of like start, finish, and you try to get, but that, that's another big thing is right? with this sort of stuff is like, I guess I would feel like enlightenment was one more thing to achieve and be good at. And then anytime I wasn't, was a failure and I was something to talk negatively about myself. So then, that doesn't help. That's counterproductive. man. it's like, listen, we're human beings. There's ups and downs. And yeah, you just try to remember the things that you've found to be helpful and help you feel peace, happiness, and product. like I said, productivity. I think I'm better now that I'm not working from 16 p.m. with the cloud in my head and the and instead saying, listen, sometimes maybe you should stop, stop at six. You don't have to do this right now. Get some rest, get us in the morning or sometimes or saying, no, that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I thank you for giving myself the choice, reminding myself I have a total choice right now. And yeah, no, it's cool. I'm gonna do it. And just doing it with a lighter, in a lighter way. You know what I mean? Like,
0: oh, man. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I mean, you mentioned like shows, so I imagine you're into music and like, you know, and I often think like your life has like a rhythm to it, you know, which is like a function of all the routines you have, you know? And it's like, I try to keep the rhythm of my life, like within basically balance that I can run it for a long time. Cause I mean, I was the same way. I would work 12 hours in a day and the next day I'm smoked. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like you, you show up, you're kind of resent. At least I would get kind of resentful. I'm like, why am yes. I doing this? Why am I working this hard? Like, is this worth it? Like, I love the company. I love the mission, but you feel burnt out. And then you kind of, you have to, at least for me, say the with working out. Like I love working out. I love hiking out. I love lifting weights but then if you do that too much the next day you're like i want to go to the well, gym or, <laughs> or if you wake up to
1: an alarm after six hours of sleep to get that workout in man you just did something super unhealthy in order to do something healthy but it's it's in conflict you know i don't like 100%. that percent you know some of these things i didn't feel a little self-conscious in it because it's like i come from like you know the american midwest work ethic being a good worker is a good thing to be and sort of like Sleeping is like lazy. If you sleep late, you're lazy. Like, as opposed to, like, man, I just think, I think sleep is like, and you know, more and more science coming out. We can point to science now on this stuff. Like, it's not some hippy dippy stuff. It's like science tells us. Like, sleep is like, I mean, I'm making up this number exactly, but it's like 80% of physical and mental health, man. Like, getting sleep. I try not to wake up to an alarm, you know, and I still, uh, you know, I wake up, yeah, I still wake up seven. I am or whatever if I, if I go to bed on time or you know what i mean like i but so you know what i mean like because that waking up that alarm when you're in the middle of the sleep cycle you're groggy and you're weird or when you're overworked and you're tired even from lack of sleep or just working too long hours like your brain is not in its most creative and most productive so you're yeah cool i worked 12 hours at 60 instead of working six hours at 100 you know what i mean like what Uh, You know, and and so I I do feel like even like I said, I even there's still that part of me that feels self-conscious about like kind of the old school thing. Like, ah, this guy's lazy. This guy's a hippie. But like, I don't care, man. I, it's true. Like I said, the science is back and all this stuff. I just saw just yesterday I saw a thing that was like people who take all their vacation days are twice as likely to get promoted. Yeah. You want to know why? Because they're getting refreshed and they're resetting. And it's, I swear, like the more. You know, I used to be all, uh, all in the head, you know what I mean? Analytical thought and strategizing and da da da, figuring out yeah. the best thing. I was a philosophy major, I don't know, I'm mention yeah. that, I guess. So it's like all here, but man, so much of life is, uh, being in that like centered place where your soul feels right, you know? And then, and if you feel like that kind of rest and eddies like the days I get eight hours of sleep, I tend to feel positive about my life. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's sad and everything sucks. And I'm like, ah, yeah you stayed out to it? She got five and a half hours, dumbass. You know what I mean? Like, a you know 100%. what I mean? But so that 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 goes into your work. Like, you know what I mean? Are you like coming up with an awesome new off the wall idea that's gonna make people laugh and get them excited and make them attracted to want to work with your company or or you know, do business with your company or buy your products? Or are you like phoning it in because you're branded, because you're working too much.
0: You know what I mean? And it just is true. It's just real. So one thing that I think about is, uh, Steve jobs, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, like we can comment on their business practices aside and lots of problems with those companies, but I think about like, right. they, they have 168 hours in their day, I mean, in their week, so do we, you know, but like, you know, so the maximum amount that we all have is like 168 in a given week, but their decisions are way more leveraged. And so, you know, you can sleep zero hours a week, you'll still get the same amount of time, but that doesn't allow it explain for the differences in scale, you know, if you just of course you right. And so to me, it's like everything that you can do to get better quality decision making is the key. And so, you know, it's not even for me at least, it's not even about like output. It's like how can I make better decisions? And I've try to focus everything on that. And better decisions,
1: yeah. better ideas, more yes. creative ideas, you know? Yes. And I, I, then I get down on myself for that too, cause it's like, yeah, we want to just do like fun stuff, cool stuff, interesting stuff, creative stuff. Uh, and it, it's hard, especially when we, you know, we have a small team. And so like, I was like, you know, telling telling my friend, oh man, I, I, I should be doing more TikToks. Like I'm down on myself. I'm kicking myself or I should just be doing, it. I should do. She's like, man, I know. And at a big company, like there's people who everyone has like one job and you have like 20, you know what I mean? And so I try to like grant myself some like, okay, that's true. And still like even among all the bullshit, like this is where I said, it's like, oh, well I don't have time to just stop and try to be creative for an hour because I got so much on my to-do list, but we scheduled this podcast a few weeks ago and I'm taking an hour now to do this. So like, yes, you can, you definitely can take an hour to just go for a walk and try to think of creative stuff or just get the team on the phone. We have a, we, we see, we don't do it enough, but we, I, I read this thing about Aerosmiths, the band, they yeah. had a, uh, they had a, a regular meeting called the dumb ideas meeting. And the whole point was to say stuff that you, like you couldn't provide good ideas or like ideas you thought that you would do. It had to be dumb ideas that you didn't think that you would do like really crazy off the wall stuff that sounds, that's, that's, that sounds dumb. And yeah, 95% of the stuff in those meetings we would never do. And they said 5% we would, or it sparked a conversation about another conversation, another conversation that would get to something that they would be like, that's awesome. And it's more creative because they're purposely trying to, it's trying to have it be all outside the box. So we've tried to implement that, try to take more time to to do that kind of stuff. Cause that's really like, what are people attracted to? Especially like in the social media age, remember it's like this, that, you know, it's not like the days of like the mad men sort of like, fork because yeah. it's like da 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 da, da. like people hate that shit. What do they want? They want they want funny memes. You know what I mean? They want funny memes. They want to know they are these. Co- this company is run by people I like.
0: Yes, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And yes. so like we're over
1: here like doing business and doing checking off the to do list and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, are you having fun? Because if you are, other people are going to have fun and they're going to want to be around your business. And that's that and, like more true now than
0: ever. You know. I- yeah, I so believe that. And I mean, that's something we're like, you know, me, I was just talking to one of our sales folks and I was like, you know, dude, like sometimes you got to stay at a nice ass hotel, even when you're flying on on business. Like even if you're using the company card, you should have to stay at a nice ass hotel because like then you feel confident and like proud of what you're selling. And then you're going to like that's going to emanate. But if you're like, you know, I don't know, like sleeping somewhere shitty, you're not going to get a good night's rest. You're going to be kind of embarrassed, maybe. You know, and like, I don't know, say what we will about like materialism in our culture. Like that's important. It's important to feel confident about, well, by yourself, you know? Well, and you have the clean, comfortable bed. So you get eight hours. Yes. sleep.
1: You know what I mean? So yeah, that, that's the thing with all this and, and that I'm going to tie this back to done good a little bit Yeah. because uh, I mean, look, I mean, it's always easy to say this stuff on a podcast and I will also say, I don't think I've done a good enough job of creating the space for creativity. And not just doing the to-do list and then doing this, going through the motions of the same things we always do because it's, it's kind hard. of the easiest thing. So like, yeah. I also want to like, uh, commiserate with other entrepreneurs out there. Cause that's another thing. Like you see other companies, other entrepreneurs on social media, you hear them on podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like I'm, we're at, you know, we have tough times, all this stuff I'm saying, this is what I try to say to myself and I would like to be better. And I also see, I used to talk to myself and say. You yeah, why aren't you doing that? You suck at that. And now I can say, wait a second. I think I'm like seventy percent good at it. First of all, maybe you can just like you know what I mean? Like, uh, and then if you'd like to get thirty percent better, cool. Start today and just, you know, try to do better. That that's the first thing. Second thing is like, yeah, man, I think I really I was into the the um what did the struggle porn? Like, yes. I, I saw that yes. in, um, I don't know what some, some startup newsletter, some entrepreneur news
0: it's all newsletter. Bullshit. I saw. That's, that's my belief. It's like, it's, it's, it's both the like Instagram, like look at my Lamborghini and also like, look at how hard I'm working. I'm not eating and I'm on like, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what the dos- dosage of Adderall is, but I'm on this insane dose. of yeah. stimulants. like, that's neither is good. You know, it's right. like, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And,
1: and in my case it was, look, I didn't look how awesome I didn't pay myself. First year and then i paid myself like 35 grand in the next couple of years and like you know like i get it you know you're trying to keep all the money in the company you really want the company to be successful and like there's a there's just there's a balance on that like with everything, yeah look i don't want to. i'm fine to take a pay cut from what i used to be making to to to, to make this work and make it be as successful as possible and like you're saying i mean the equivalent of the hotel i mean I was house sitting and then I was living with a 75 year old couple. And then I lived with some college kids in a college house for 600 bucks a month in Boston. And like, you know what I mean? Like at what point, uh, does that, you know, that grind make you kind of like tired. There's the, the tired from not like getting enough sleep. And then there's the tired, from like a couple years of you like doing that kind of stuff and not being in just like a decent housing environment. You know what I mean? And that, how much does that affect your work? I had a guy, so we, we got, um, into, um, into an incubator program when we first started out and we had a mentor there and he said there's no honor in the struggle and again my yeah. midwest sort of you know protestant upbringing was like what do you mean there's no honor in struggle of course there's honor and struggle my grandpa fought in world war ii and my dad put himself through school there's honor and honor struggle and what i like had, had taken him to mean now over the years is i've kind of more comprehended What he's saying, and now at least what I think of how I think about struggle now, is like if there is a goal that you definitely want to achieve, and you see that there's some short, unavoidable, short-term struggle in between, and then you make a conscious choice, like, yeah, that's worth it to me. I'm going to go through that struggle in order to achieve that goal. I think there's honor in that. I mean, I don't want to give up every goal I've ever had if there's any struggle. But no, I don't want that. And at the same time what you risk doing. And I think what I was doing is then you say, okay, we well, see in that case, there's honor and struggle. Therefore there's always honor and struggle. And look at me, look how much, look how honorable I am. Y- you are almost even if at least subconsciously heaping struggle on yourself. Cause then you get to sh- show how honorable you are. You know what I mean? You know, the honor is if you have to go through that struggle. Sure. But if you can achieve that same goal without that struggle, that's, I mean, th- this stuff from like society or something, it's like, oh, well, then that's cutting corner corners or avoiding struggle. If you can avoid the struggle, you should, you know what I mean? If you can, the goal should be effortlessness. The goal should be, you know, feeling good and being comfortable and still then achieving these, achieving these goals. If there has to be struggle and sometimes saying, no, that struggle is not worth that goal is a fair thing to decide consciously. Now you say, well, could that lead to a cop out? It could, but don't let it. That's, The other thing I used to do is like, well, but if I start thinking about self care too much, it could make me cop out and just be a lazy piece of shit. Okay. So don't, you know what? There is a place between and when I turn off my mind, but what's the difference between self care and laziness or what's the difference between not heaping struggle on myself, but also not avoiding struggle? The difference, I I can feel the difference in every given situation. If I turn my mind off, get in that centered place like I was talking about and say, okay, I need to lay down in my bed for like 20 minutes. That's going to make me more productive if I do. Cool. That's good self care. And when I'm still there after 40. You know, I'll be honest with yourself I'll be like, all right, hey, but that was good. You try probably get up now. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't always worry about, like, well, if I go down too much with this whole self care stuff or this whole like avoid and struggle stuff, then what if it ma- makes me lazy? Okay. So don't let it do that. <laughs> let it do you know what I'm saying? Just be reasonable with yourself. And I know what that feels like. I can't, you know, think it in theory. In, future hypothetical situations i can feel it every day in each situation you know what i mean so
0: that's been that's, helpful. Helpful. that's been helpful for me i have like two minds about this stuff i mean i'm i'm similar to you where you like my parents are immigrants like you know there's a strong work ethic culturally and you know they came from like basically like some shitty villages you know what i mean and so like they just they, they grind hard and so they're they're always like Work your ass off, but I'm like, but guys, like, you, like you have to make like intelligent decisions to get ahead. You can't just like put your nose in the grindstone. You have to do certain, especially in the modern economy, you know. Um, so I definitely, I definitely think about that, and but a part of me thinks, sorry, to, um, keep going. But it's like, no, sometimes please, I, please, come on. Are you the, kidding?
1: I've talked a lot. You you can <laughs> have a couple minutes.
0: Oh, the overemphasis on struggle sometimes, and I'm a I'm a unashamed greedy capitalist, but sometimes I do think like the overemphasis on struggle is like a mechanism to keep people locked into work in a way that violates yes. their, their own identity. And, and it's like, yes. it's good. It's good for people who want to exploit people to portray a uh, glory and struggle. It is good. Like, how are you feel about exactly. hard Exactly. It is good. It is, it is good.
1: Thoma- and so, you know, more.
0: And and so like, that's one thing I believe. But then also another thing I believe is that I see my parents, I see how hard I've worked and I'm pretty happy with like where the business has come. Obviously we have big goals for the future, but it's like, I'm pretty happy at, at, at things. And, and I, and I do see like, you know, one of my beliefs is like hard work creates competence, competence, creates confidence, competence, creates results and then results over time like creates momentum like that's how you build a business like it all starts with hard work and so it's like how do you balance the maybe. two maybe yeah. i don't maybe. know i mean this it, it comes back
1: to i i think another way to say what a lot of what we're saying is like is the hard work the point is the struggle the point or is the goal the point and then i'll do the work that is necessary because i want to achieve that goal but if i can reduce the amount of work it takes i will Cause that's, but the goal is the goal. The struggle isn't the goal, you know? And that's, I guess it sounds obvious when you say it out loud, but I, I think like ingrained in our culture is this at least subconscious idea. And I, I think you're absolutely right about like when, when I hear people compliment other people as like being a good worker. Yeah. That sounds like some, that sounds like some capitalist shit to me. Like, yeah, who, who, who wants you to, you know, compliment yourself for like working hard and working overtime and working yourself to the bone the guy who makes money when you work hard, you know what I yeah, mean? Like that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's... I, I can't agree, agree with you more. There's a reason that this has permeated our culture. Um, you know, because yeah, it's, there's a, there's economic benefit to some of having the whole society be like, yeah, gutting it
0: out and working myself super hard makes me a good person. Like, yes, yeah, I don't know. But then, you know, I think about like, okay, like fitness. Let's say as a metaphor, working out as a metaphor, like you do want to expose your body to like controlled stress because then you grow, you know, or like learning an instrument, you learn an instrument and you're really bad at it at first. Then you're like, if you measure like your heart rate variability, your fucking stress levels are through the roof as you're learning like, fuck, how come I can't play? Hello, my sunshine on the fucking uke. Like, why does it seem so easy? You know, you go through that stress, then you get it after a couple of YouTube videos. You're like, ah fuck okay i got this up to me it's like you know i feel like that's a healthy balance of like like you want some stress and then you want enough recovery and then that's the rhythm of like a productive life is like you know you want to work hard accomplish goals like you said recover Mm -hmm. keep going and then like i don't know for 20 years you've done some fucking cool ass shit you know like it's cool yeah yeah
1: yeah no no of course that's what i mean like none of this to say don't have the goals just to remember yes. that the, or ambition, it's just the, to remember that the goals are the point and yes. not the struggle. And yes. that's the right? It's like, I want to be really good at playing guitar. So I'm yes. going to practice. And then, yes. and then, but the other thing, it's funny you mentioned the, the working out analogy because that's what I use with my team all the time is I talk about like, you know, we want to hit goals and we want to be ambitious and we want to, yeah, you know, work hard to meet them. But it, we want to do it in a way where it's like, beating your workout goal right like i don't know i'm gonna run three miles faster than i did before that's fun it's fun stress you know what i'm saying it's and if you don't hit it but you got close you don't like kill yourself think you're an awful person you go back the next day You do it again and even and the act of getting close was still like awesome you know what i'm saying so like no you know it's like that kind of stress is the kind of that and that's what i say about the tone it's like, I was want to have the goals and, and like lofty, look, I mean, lofty goals. I'm saying we want millions of people moving billions of dollars through our site to thousands of social enterprises until the day that every business in the world is ultra sustainable and yes. amazingly good wages and competing to be better in order to get consumer demand. And we have completely changed the economic systems of the world. So I think my goals yes. are lofty and ambitious. And do I want to work with them Like I'm you know like like drudgery like I'm working in the mines or do I want to work like I'm trying to beat a workout and you know what I mean and and enjoying that process and if I come to a pace where it's like oh we're gonna have to struggle for three days all day every day nope we figured out a technical worker oh no there's an app for that that makes us not do it get the damn app make it easier you know what I mean
0: totally i'm so in agreement like i remember in like the early like the early years of the business i would like i mean i would work my ass off and basically everybody around me would also be suffering i'm like we have to work this is existential like what are you doing what are you doing leaving your desk like go use the bathroom at your desk i mean i was like yeah that's how i was you know because the mission is important to you and you're thinking okay i have the responsibility of people's paychecks and delivering on them and to accomplish that i have to make sure the business succeeds and so it's like this whole kind of loop where you're just reinforcing this pattern right and i've totally been there and then but then i don't know like like you sort of like kind of level up in the business or like mentally spiritually you know uh i'm also a big fan of therapy and also working with like talented people that like are able to be like hey dude We all like want to work hard, but like maybe we should sell into the vision versus being like, hey, stay chained to your desk 14 hours a day. And I I have found personally that like when you talk about, hey, we're here to do X, Y, and Z, you know, in our case, we're here to make hiring simple, efficient, and human, right? And so for developers, for companies. And so like we want to get as many people hired as possible, get them paid well get fucking company scale. That's why we exist. And that it was so compelling, course. you know, to people versus like, hey, you work 11 hours today. Why did not she work 12? Why did not she work 14? You know what I don't mean it's just it's what are it's, you
1: taking a break? Yeah. <sighs> 100%. And it's like, and it's like, if you don't if you take a break, you, you I guess you don't believe in the vision. I mean, that's the thing I, I look at um, ways, especially in the early years where it was like, Well, yeah, I mean, it's all because I think what we're doing is good. I think we're working on the most important thing in the world. I, that's what I think. That's why I did this, right? Because like, so I quit my career to do this of all things because I think like, yeah, if you had a platform that could, you know, funnel huge amounts of consumer demand, that changes economies, that changes the world. That's what we're working on. And so, but at the same time, all this other stuff that I've seen, I've come to learn about, you know, productivity and Digger, so whatever, like. Yeah, if you're then like running people into the ground, it's all about the drudgery and then, you know, you're not as creative, you're not as on fire. And so well, you, you realize how, yeah, you're breathing stress into the team. I mean, you have won, yes. you're taking you're inflicting stress in yourself and you're breathing into your team and you're making your team less effective. What if your team is working nine, 10 hours, but also they took a couple hour break in the middle of the day and they're super productive and super excited and super on fire and generating more creative shit like. It's just going to be like the energy, the energy is the most important thing. Like your energy, you know, like you're going to be down. Sometimes you're going to be drudged, your field drudgery sometimes, but the more that you can stay on fire and upbeat and excited, and the more your team stays energized and upbeat and excited. And for that breaks are needed and vacations are needed and like. You know what I mean? I mean, it—it's like that. That's why I say I'm, you know, back to being a recovering workaholic because it's like it's just not. Well, the more I do, if the how much I believe in this cause is measured by how many hours I'm working on it. Not, no, no, it's not. It's what's the goal and what's the best way to get to the goal, um and having some balance, and especially when it's a marathon. I've been mean, doing it eight years. It's marathon, not sprint. Yes, no, it's yes. And so. To try to create the energy uh, and have more space to be creative
0: and having things feel good, like maps. By the way, this is not an advertisement for whoop, but do do you wear any like health wearables or have you ever tried any health wearables? Mm -hmm. Well, I I count my steps
1: on my phone. You know what I'm saying? 10,000 steps. I try to get 10,000 steps every day. You know, Uh, that's one thing. That movement is good for my mental health too. Like it's like sleep, number one. Movement number movement number two. Uh, that's, I learned that during COVID when I was elected. And you said you took up uh, hike and I took up running around the park by my house. I never ran before. I kind of thought running is boring. I like to play a sport or a game, chase a ball. That's fun. Running for nothing. But like during COVID, I was like, I I don't feel right if I'm in my house and I get like fifteen hundred steps in a day. About so yeah.
0: yeah, so I mean there are a couple wearables on the market. They all kind of basically do the same stuff. Apple Watch is one of them, but with these wearables and basically monitor like your daily stress level and it takes like a composite measure by looking at like your heart rate variability which is like again a measure of like how mm-hmm. fluidly your heart moves through different um like rhythms and beats and mm-hmm. and that's a way that they measure stress and so for a long time i would like look at like what did i do that day at work and like what's like my stress level mm-hmm. yeah. and i would use that as a way to basically like like okay this is where I feel low stress and highly productive. This is where I feel high stress. And like, I'm like, okay, if it's like, uh, if I'm like pitching or like I'm selling, like maybe that'll be a little bit higher stress, that's natural. But like, if it's a task that's tedious that I'm doing just because I like haven't delegated it or something like I usually use this tool to monitor my own levels of recovery to like, hey, I'm off today. Maybe I shouldn't make any high stakes decisions. And I will say like, I see it show up in the business for sure. Like in terms of uh, just my efficacy and, you know, you can track how much sleep you get deep REM, all that stuff. It's like you can go too deep into this, like too analytical. But I basically just use it to be like check in with myself. How am I doing? What's my recovery like and what do I want to kind of push today? And that's kind of it's really changed sort of how I approach everything from sleep diet work out like everything. So
1: I just work- that's really interesting. And that makes total sense because I do think that's a big part of it too. Like whether you talked about like recognizing you're not in a good mind frame. So like not making that big business decision you don't have to. Or I think it's also like talking with your partner or having that fight with your partner, right? It's like percent these things. And that's what I talk about that. Your energy and how you feel that frames whatever the decision making, the communicating with your colleagues or you know, um, whatever, whatever conversation you're about to have, and if, you know, like, or if you feel good and you're in that, in that better frame of mind, it's all going to go better. And I used to worry a lot about like, well, I'm going to have this conversation with someone. What words I'm going to use? Wow. What am I going to say? And what are the points I'm going to make? And I'm like, you know, if you're in a good frame of mind of that, that good energy, that good emotional state, that higher, that like kind of yeah, higher, higher vibration, they, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? the words are going to be just fine. It's not going to matter because the the other person is going to feel that you're calm and you have their best interest in mind also and you're trying to work something out. And the words matter, like, and it's almost like worrying about the words, like, well, it's look, it's all from a good place. I want to be a good and constructive and positive communicator. And I want to make sure that I'm, using my I feel language or like whatever the hell you know what I mean yes, but like yes. it's okay but then worrying about that stresses you out and then you're not in this good spot to have the conversation in the first place so like the things that the things that don't that put you in a worse the worse energy and w- lower form of consciousness because now I'm stressed about like well, I gotta remember to say all these things you know like ah oh,
0: for good you know growing up it's like my parents would be like okay if you gotta be there be like what the fuck is wrong with you like we should have left in India. That's like how I grew up, right? And so that's your internal monologue. And so when you're at work and let's say something is not performing the spec, you're not hitting KPIs. And it's like that that would be my default way to approach a conversation. Like, hey, the fuck are you doing? Like, you think this is acceptable? And that's just that's like how I would operate, right? Yeah. And like then you kind of mature, maybe you have a couple of years working, and they are like, hey, that's probably not a good way to speak to people. And that's just me, right? And so, like, it took, It took. I mean, it took, basically, I'm in this group of other business leaders. And, like, we'll simulate crucial conversations. Because I find that most business leaders, most people that have high drive, generally have these types of internal monologues. Like, you can't really go through the suffering without this, like, fire in you to, like, to, like, get your mission done, get your goals done. Takes a lot, right? So high performance athletes. And so, but I think like achieving the next level requires, as you say, like, like taking the pressure off yourself a little bit and like taking the pressure off of others in a way that like generates their best self. And so that's, that's been a huge learning, learning area for me over the last two three years. You know,
1: I could not, I could not agree more. And then I just, I did, um, uh, like think right. I remember it now a long time ago, I said, I can connect this back to done good. So I'm going to do that now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the same with like, um, conscious consumerism where you know, making sure that your, the dollars you spend are marrying your beliefs and doing good for the world. That's also like an exhausting practice. Right. And, and I mean, even beyond just how we're spending our money it's like, um, like all the things, right. Like, well, am I, am I recycling am I composting Am I taking public transportation instead of driving the car? Like (laughs) there are any infinite number of things we could be doing in any given day to make the world better. And that I had some like drive like that when I was young too. And I was like, yeah, man, like there are people suffering in the world. Like, what am I doing going on a vacation? What am I doing? Going to a show, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's the same kind of thing with that, right? It's like, okay, so I want there to be less suffering in the world, therefore. I'm going to kill myself, <laughs> I'm going yes. to make sure I suffer, you know, yes. now, on the other hand, then could I make that be a cop out? And then i never worry about other people and never worry other something? yes, you could, and just like with everything else, then like, where's that sort of that centered place where I feel like, okay, I'm going to be not positive and I'm going to, yeah, I, I mean, I think like music is important for people's souls also, and we need to like, uh, try to make it so that more people are able to access the arts and access music because that actually I, I used to kind of be against the arts when i was young too it's like look man i know it's all cool but like people are starving and it's like man you know but yeah i mean the stuff that feeds people's souls that then makes them be more net positive you know what i mean like what are the things we talk about the things that inspire me to be good in the world like man some of that stuff is the more abstract stuff it is music it is songs it's uh you know what i mean things that like right where, where you feel like yeah i i I want to be a force for good in the world, you know? And so and and so and then down to like your spending. I mean, it is like I I drive a car sometimes. I fly on a plane sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so do I think it would be, hey, that's carbon emission. So everybody should stop flying on planes. And yet I think one of the things that like if I could kind of fund one superfluous thing, it might be making every kid in America in high school take a trip abroad because what helps generate more empathy and connection with other people's and less fear of the other than like being somewhere. And now, so then it's like instead of just saying everyone stop doing anything that has any carbon, it was just how do we make these things that plus? How can we make the show, the concert? What if we make it so that, I mean, they're doing this stuff with technology now? What if we make it so that the arena is capturing the heat and the energy of the motion and the dance floor uh, to power the thing? And you can make that a zero waste thing uh, and a portion of all the tickets are helping local nonprofits. Like you can set these things up where instead of telling people don't do things that feed your soul, don't do things that make you happy. It's, Oh, I got 20%. Uh, what, what, you know, can we create flywheels in, in, in the stream of those things? Instead of telling everyone to shit Jurassic, I We mean, look, some of we should change our behavior. Don't like, you know, don't leave a ton of trash in the woods, like be mindful of your carbon emissions. You know I mean? I think that's all good. And, so change behaviors some degree, and then the things can we put uh uh the, the like a, a flywheel in people's existing streams of behavior so that when you go, you can go see that band and that that event has net positive impact on the world. Isn't that a better strategy for creating good long term? I think that's the thing is like how do we how do we make the things that people want already want to do po- generate positives uh, uh, impact overall. And so it's the same thing with our purchases, right? It's like we tell people like, don't buy anything, you know what I mean? Like don't buy things or, but people probably are still gonna, and like, what if we can create that flywheel where it's like, cause you know, if you don't buy anything, the economy collapses, right? Like we need people who are earning living wages doing things. Right. And so, uh, it's not about not buying anything. It's about buying a reasonable amount of things. And when you are like, wow, this purchase is helping to create the systemic changes in the economy we need. If you're gonna solve climate change, we need systemic change. It's not about like, ah, I'm gonna save the carpet on this one thing. It's about, we need businesses, radically different kinds of businesses and they exist and there's a movement of them. We need to support those. And so we're, that's what we're doing, right? Time to create the flywheel in people's existing street. you like drinking coffee. Cool. We have some that is fair trade, LGBTQ owned, right? You, you want to, you want to dress, you're, you know, if you're living in society and going to work. If you're not doing the van brother River everything, then like, Hey, you probably get a nice dress and cool. We have like a zero waste facility, women earning living wages and being able to bring their kids to work. So they don't, you know, they don't have to separate the family, things like this. I mean, these companies that are doing amazing things. And then we try to like help people understand, don't feel overwhelmed. I know not hundred percent of your purchases are going to be on done good or from a secondhand store. First of all, they don't have to be on done good. They can be from a secondhand store. They can be from other things, but like, you know, look, it's the real world. I had to, I I'm pretty good about, of all people, I'm pretty good about not buying stuff on Amazon. I left my last, the last time I was at my sister's house, I left my computer charger there, I was her fault. She pulled it in half. It was a two part thing. I grabbed the one half left the other. So I just want to say it was her fault, but I forgot that. Computer anyway. I called three places in Denver. They don't have it. I gotta order it on Amazon for me to be able to power my computer to keep fighting Amazon. Well, I gotta order a thing from Amazon. You know what I'm saying? Or I have little kids in my life. They're like, "What do they want for Christmas? They want some plastic from China." I go to Target. Or if I forget, I only have a few days left. Maybe on Amazon. Like, it's not about being perfect. I told I talked about before how two percent of our spending, right? If two percent of our spending equals all the donations to all the nonprofits in the country. So it's just like, if you're moving 20% of your spending, you're doing 10 X, 10 X better than what we need everybody to do. And then yeah, maybe you're doing 50%, maybe you're doing 80%. And then you start to realize I don't need Amazon as much as I think. And like, but if you still, I don't care. You know what I mean? It's not about perfection. Cause I think people with all this stuff, we like think, well, it's too hard. It's too hard to do it all. Okay, good old and don't do it all. I'll do forty percent, man. Like forty percent is a huge impact. And then you find, just like beat that workout goal. You find like I can do fifty percent. And then you and that feels good. And then yes. it's percent. So it's of yes. like I think we beat ourselves up over the stuff we're not doing or that unsustainable thing that we did, or like I oh shit, I left the car running. You know what I'm saying? Like uh like that was that was carbon emissions and it's like it you get so exhausting for people they feel like they can't do it or they get too tired and give up or so it's like look man just do just do some just move some of your purchases against too, too dumb. good obviously we appreciate it helps us stay alive or to secondhand stores or what you can do or buy less buy less it, you know while we don't need as much stuff as we think that's true okay. too. and and i like i said i think that's all the balance because i really want this movement social enterprises to succeed I think the world depends the hope of the world to me is where I do this depends on them succeeding so don't buy nothing we need them to succeed you know and so it, it's just doing it's it's all of this stuff is like and I guess it's back to the tone like we were talking about it's feeling good about what you're doing the progress you're making yes. setting that workout role to do a little better as opposed to uh, I suck I am beat my you know like I did this bad thing I did that bad thing Like, okay shit man you're not gonna be able to do everything it's infinite and you're a human being, so you're going to have some carbon emissions. The only way to have zero emissions, you know, yeah. is off yourself. But, like, we're trying to, why are we saving the planet so it can be a place where people can be happy? Right? Like, the planet's going to be fine. The rock's going to be here. I don't know if you saw David Attenborough's recent documentary, but, like, these, uh, like, it's Chernobyl 30 years later. The plants are back. Foxes are running free. Like, he's like, there's been mass extinction events. Nothing ever goes. It doesn't go fully extinct. Just Most of these go extinct. And then a new evolutionary path comes up. The planet and living things here are going to be fine. We're talking about, can we keep this a place where humans can live and be happy with less suffering? That's, isn't that the goal? Anyway, all right.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah. We're, so, okay. Where can pe- people find done good on the interwebs? Where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you for asking the plug questions. Uh, donegood.com. You know, D-O-N-E-G-O-D, just the words, donegood.com. Donegood.com that's uh that's our site and then uh, the crowdfunding campaign I mentioned again go to startengine.com that's the crowdfunding site that we're that we're raising on um, and again even small donations are a huge help because they help us hit goals that get us to uh or small investments rather I should say small investments help because they help us hit goals that get us more promotion to the crowdfunding site and I think I mean if th- this is airing uh, we're taping it a little bit. Had I think this is there in about three days left in our crowdfunding campaign or so. So it's like you know, not not to be all advertiser or anything, but go today, do, it. do it now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you want to do it, like do it, you'll that. forget and it'll be it'll be there, like there's only a few days, a few days left in the thing. That's startengine.com or, or again, I think it's startengine.com/slash offering or offerings. I really should have known that before I got on here, but startengine.com/slash offerings slash done good. Or you can just go to startengine.com and search done good on the in the search bar, you'll, you'll find us there. So we really appreciate the investments there that, uh, they all help us to, um, do a little more good for the world, grow our community, help more people make more purchases that fight climate change. Every purchase helps someone lift themselves out of poverty. So we think it's, you know, like I said, we think it's a good cause if you were donating a hundred bucks, but it's an investment and it gets you discounts, um, on our site too. So so anyway, to do that, like you said, though, all your, if all your audience, most of your audience is entrepreneurs, like they get like well yeah i mean i'm trying to plug my thing you know and uh and when we do oh, stuff yeah. too I always, I always try to like i just try to like say straight up like okay yeah you're an entrepreneur like go ahead th- here's your opportunity to just do the shameless plug man like it's it's cool tell us about your thing that's why you're here you know so yes. yeah. still, i guess that's some of that midwest Protestant and stuff too that like oh well i'm talking about myself and my thing too much so, yeah that's why you're here man sell it
0: That is your obligation and your right as a founder of a company. So it's both, you know.
1: Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week.